Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Divided Films. I'm JJ, with me as always is my co-host Keith. Hello! Hey there, Keith. Good to have you. And uh, joining us back on the podcast is our good friend, Sebastian. Welcome back, Sebastian. Hello. Good to be back. Great to have you back and very excited to talk about this week's Divided Film, uh, which would be the 1989 action movie Roadhouse, uh, starring Patrick Swayze and directed by Rowdy Harrington. Uh, real quick, we're actually doing something special this week. We're doing two Patrick Swayze movies. It's actually like a Swayze doubleheader. If we actually wind up doing this, then we'll include that. If we don't, then Keith cut that out. But <laughs> well, like that's, <laughs> that's like the idea. But yes, we, we uh, just play around with the format here. There's like a couple Swayze movies that are divided. So we figured let's, let's do them back to back and see. So Sebastian's joining us for part one, which is on Roadhouse. Uh, and Roadhouse falls into the category of having a negative score from critics and a mixed to positive score from audiences. So on Rotten Tomatoes, 37% of critics approved and 66% of audiences approved. And the critics' consensus, whether Roadhouse is simply bad or so bad it's good, it depends largely on the audience's fondness for Swayze and tolerance for violently cheesy action. So for me, the word that sticks out is cheesy. This movie is so cheesy. It's cheesier than a side of nachos. It is just like just dripping with cheese. It, it's ridiculous. I, I almost couldn't take it at times, but that is part of the movie's charm. It's this. It has to be one of the most ridiculous, over-the-top movies, which I think is just from the times it was made in, you know, the late 80s. But, uh, oh, man, it is it is a lot of fun, I think, this movie. And this is, like, only my second time seeing it. Have you guys had more of a, of a history with Roadhouse, oh, Sebastian? So Roadhouse is one of those movies where, you know, you hear about it for a long time. And then, like, when I hear about a movie a lot, I don't – so I often don't care to watch it. I'm like, all right, I get it, whatever. You know, it's one of those 80s movies. I get it. Um, but then I think I just either stumbled upon it on TV, I decided to kind of watch it, and, uh, you know, I was won over. I really enjoyed it, legitimately. And, you know, because, like, people say cheesy, like, it's hard for, like, I don't know, because, like, for me, cheesy mean like, I don't know, for me, would something to be, like, super cheesy has to be, like, pretty cringe. Like, I don't think it's super cringe, Roadhouse. I think there's some performances that are a little cringy, but I think overall, like, it's for me it's silly it's it's a silly movie like i'm like that's for me a better adjective than cheesy in my opinion i think it's silly but like because patrick Tra- swayze plays it so straight <laughs> and like <Yeah. laughs> it just like he just like he grounds the movie and you really i that's a good point he is the one sane person in a universe of just crazy people because in this movie, it seems like almost every man in this movie is just one dirty look or, you know, misperceived insult away from pulling out a knife and starting out a fight. Like, there's so many times someone just pulls out a knife 
and is ready to just go at any time. Any drop of the hat, there's going to be a knife fight. It's a switchblade knife, carving knife, hunting knife. There are so many knives that are pulled out of people's pockets in this movie. It is crazy. It's like the universe of knives. And people are so... Yeah, the bar patrons are batshit crazy. They're absolutely batshit. Yeah, and whether it's, even, like, obviously in the main bar, the Double Deuce, the bar that Swayze is tasked with cleaning up, or even in the first bar that we see him working in, there's a guy that's like, yeah, I want to take you on, Dalton. Come on, let's go. It's like, let's go. Like, people just come to this bar to fight with the head bouncer? Like, what what kind of world is this? I mean, the cleaner, I should say. It's the glorified bouncer. Or the cooler. The cooler. Or the cooler. Not the cleaner. cleaner, cooler, whatever. <laughs> it's just that they're doing the same thing. <laughs> just kicking out guys starting trouble at the bar. But some people go in looking for trouble. Like, what? Like, is it a thing to just fight Dalton? That's the reputation he has? I thought that was so funny. Just the era of machismo and proving your manliness. You just go seeking out fist fights and knife fights to prove your worth, I suppose. It makes me glad I did not live to see this decade. I was born after the 80s. What about you, Keith? Were you more familiar with Roadhouse? Uh, I was familiar with the Family Guy memes of it. And... I it really kind of passed me by for 31 years. I've never seen this is the first time I've seen this movie and I'm in awe by it. I am legit like I I I don't mean this ironically. We never had a movie like this before and I don't think we will again. Like I thought I knew what the plot of this movie was. And as I'm watching, I'm thinking, I think I know what the plot of this movie was. was. <laughs> and JJ, I know you like it when I say it, but this movie takes a sharp, many, many sharp left turns into what the fucksville. I, and I was entertained the entire time. I, there are lines in it. Like I, I may not have watched it before, but I will find reasons to watch this again. Oh, I mean, first the lines. There are so many insane lines, even from the get-go. When he first goes into this shitty bar, the Double Deuce, one patron says to this woman, hey, babe, what, let's say we go nipple to nipple. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> I don't know if you could come up with a worse pickup line if you tried. And her, and her response was on point. I can do that without you. That's <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. Um what is uh, I also like the the villains lines. Ben Gazzara, he oh, has god. his whole long. Oh my god! He has his whole long tirade that ends with him going like, "I got J C Penny to come to this town." It's like, oh wow, <laughs> so impressive for this like guy to bring. Ben Gazzara is a genius. I ha- we have to talk about Ben. Gazzara oh yeah, later, for sure. Yeah. He's having fun as the villain, but just one of my favorites is uh, during the whole fight with uh, the bad guy's bodyguard. I can't remember his name. I fuck guys like you in prison. That I I'm like yes. someone wrote that. I had to applaud that. That like that is <laughs> that is the line. Would, that, that is, is the, line the line that almost broke me the first time I heard it because <laughs> what kind of thing is that to say to somebody? They're in the middle of this hand to hand combat to the death, and at one point the the main henchman uh, gets Dalton like in like a. Like a uh, in a lock, in a hold, and he says to him that line, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean he's going to rape Dalton if he wins? <laughs> That's crazy. That's his weird way of intimidating Dalton. It's not intimidating. It's just bizarre 
That and he's so. I think it's just like a humiliation thing. I don't know. Just kind of like I'm tougher than you. Like you, you could have been my bitch in prison. It's like a silly line, but it worked. Like it works. These lines are so silly, but somehow the the delivery is effective. It's straight. I mean, the actor is totally delivering it in a way that is. It's like it seems sincere because this character is so nuts. In fact, leading up to that fist fight, this is right after they blow up this farmer's house that Swayze was staying in the barn. And as his henchman yeah. is driving off in his motorcycle, he takes a moment to stop and laugh maniacally. Like, he stops the bike so he can have an evil laugh. Then he continues, and Swayze catches up to him on foot. He catches up to a motorcycle on foot, because I guess he cuts a certain way. But that is, like, the level of over-the-topness. And I think that's what we mean by cheesy, is that everything's at a 10. Like, the romance... The, the action, the machismo, everything is just so at a max level the whole time. Like, when he walks into this bar at first, and it's like this crazy bar, it is like bedlam. It is so crazy. They have chicken wire protecting the band because the patrons just throw bottles of beer at them for no reason. And then you have um, constantly, like, people... Fighting each other, fighting each other, breaking tables, breaking chairs, glass being thrown. It is there's so much destruction in this bar. I was in awe. There must be some kind of precedent to that of like people throwing bottles at like the bands because like that was also in the Blues Brothers. Remember? Oh yes. Like yes. they played their honky tonk, and they had they were like behind like uh, the chicken fence. Yeah, the chicken wire. Yeah, the chicken wire. But how, let's start at the beginning, right? Like what well, I think like. Because, like, I was looking this up, right, and then the director got a Razzie for for the worst director, which, like, I don't think this is poorly directed. Like, I don't know. Like, I think I, I would go to bat for this director in the sense that, you know, like, there's some, like, you know, I think he had a weird script. I think he had a crappy script, but he, like, made it work. He, like, he, there's, like, you know, the setup of everything, like, you... Like, you understood immediately what's it's going competent. on. Like, this guy goes to this, this club, you know, it's like, you see the money, you see, like, you know, this is what he wants. This is his dream. This is a success success story, and this is what he came to get. And then you introduce a Dalton and all that. You know, some of the details are insane. Like, how the fuck does this guy afford to pay Dalton $3,500 a week? $500? a $5,000, like, signing bonus. He's the best. Like, Dalton's the best in the business. I it's, I think... He, he, he came into some money. How much money did you come into? Like, he, he's really Christ. He's really putting all his money into this bar, so he's got to get the best. Yeah. I think, yeah, with the director... It's it's like, you know, constructed and it's like made in a very competent way. And I think it works that he directs it and puts so much of that over the top factor because the story itself is so ludicrous that you can only really sell it if you take it, have it take place in a world where everyone is so crazy. Because like the story basically yeah. is a guy just trying to clean up a bar, but that spirals into this insane yeah. oh my plot God. of overthrowing this town warlord who extorts all the local businesses and has a very bizarre group of of cohorts who go out and rough up these people because he has like some big macho guys but then he also has like this fat sack of a guy in a trucker hat and suspenders who does not look like he, he, he's tinker. tinker he's getting in some punches but i'm like what this guy isn't intimidating he's like five foot four and he's like got a giant um like barrel stomach or something he's like 
I, I just thought he was like the funniest henchman because like he's not scary and yet he's being put into these scenarios to like you know shake down these businesses you got a name yeah well what is it Dog. oh my god <laughs> shit i heard it you that's the genius of brad wesley he can motivate these losers you know you know that are you know willing to like you know commit violence just to like uplift themselves uplift their egos you, you know? don't really hear about brad wesley in the villain pantheon of the 80s villains i thought i'm like i he should i be. think so too uh but i thought this was competently directed. I, when you see it as like a, a really good B movie, it's not trying to be like, it's not yeah. trying to be like, uh, I'm trying to think of other eighties movies like Indiana Jones or something like that. It's a, it, I think they were surprised by their success. And I don't think we had this type of loving it for this. I don't think critics could go for the loving it for the sake of entertaining value like it, it does the plot make sense no it doesn't it like it it does yeah. not make sense so they ergo like they i'm trying to think like uh there was this one movie a couple of years ago kung fury it kind of reminded me like movies that are made non-ironically but they're committed to their goofy premise and they sell it and those movies are lauded today yeah, there's a few good shots in it. I feel like, you know, there's some memorable shots in, like, like one one that stands out on my mind is, like, when, when Dalton first shows up to the Double Deuce. And, like, what's her name? Like, the the Brad Wesley's, like, girlfriend or whatever. Oh, that's, yeah. Like, aroused by Dalton or whatever. Like, when they introduce her, you know, he shows up and then the, the can't like, he, she sees him and the camera zooms in on her. I'm like, that's, like, that's... That's pretty good. That's not bad. I think this like movie, I enjoy that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was like you know a, a one of those like classic kind of intro shots. There's like a style to it, you know. Uh, and I think this movie is trying to be tapping into a sort of modern western in a way. Because if you a think little about bit, it, yeah, you have you know like you have um, this guy is like the new sheriff in town, basically Dalton, and then Ben Gazzara is like him and his gang of outlaws essentially who are terrorizing the town. And they have to go toe to toe. So in that sense, there's sort of that mysticism that's integral to the movie, and again, kind of helps you stay on board with again what is essentially a ludicrous story. Uh, but it works because yeah. you know it's 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 got that same sort of energy. It's it's like very movie energy, you know. Like I can imagine like going to see this in like an '80s megaplex and, and having fun seeing it. Although at times I wasn't quite sure who this movie is aimed for because you initially think okay like it's an action movie so you get the guys in there but then like there's almost as much male nudity as there is female nudity there's like just like an ass shot of Swayze so you think okay are they trying to also get the ladies in there with, with the, the romance this is a date movie hmm. this is a date movie this is this is this is to bring in the adolescent boys and then to to convince their girlfriends to go see it they're going to see some Swayze ass you know so like you know, I that is that's decent marketing. You know, it's a it's a silly action movie for for adolescent teenagers, and then you know they're gonna be able to take like their girlfriends or like you know. I don't know like, how much they, the girls want to see Patrick Swayze. Uh, yeah, they'll they get the Swayze. You know, they just see plenty of his body. There's that one ass shot. Come but for the, the Swayze, time, stay for the Sam Elliott. 
yeah. Sam yeah. Elliott, definitely eroding, uh, definitely like, um, ex- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, exuding that, like, older masculinity. You know, he's yeah. rough, you know. Um, but then at the uh, the end is so violent that I feel like any sort of romance you might have had watching this movie is taken out because as bad as Ben Gazar is in this movie, I still, like, the character, I actually wind up feeling bad for him because for how brutal his death is at the end. I mean, this guy... Fuck him, he sucks. But, like, come on. I'm glad he died. This guy is essentially murdered in his living room by three guys Good. shot in the chest four times with shotguns at point-blank range, and he's still trying to get up and, like, you know, kill Swayze. But, oh, my God, he's just, he's essentially an old man getting blasted in the chest by shotguns over and over again. I was like, Jesus. It was supposed to be the payoff. Good. I, I mean, I get it. Like, you build up this character to be so evil that you want a good payoff and comeuppance. But it, for me, too, that it was it was so jarring. I'm like, Jesus, like, out of context, this looks like an old man was murdered brutally in his own <laughs> living room. They get the biggest squibs. And, yeah, I got to give credit where credit's due. He kept, like, he gets hit with a shotgun and kept going, keeps going for the shot to kill Swayze four times. <laughs> yeah, not not terribly realistic. But, like, yeah, I think, you know, there there are mixed messages, right? Like, because, like, my, like, my take on the movie, if I'm going to give, like, if I'm going to, like, write, like, a term paper on this, uh, on this movie, it's, like, this movie is about toxic masculinity. Right. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. On some level, it's about toxic masculinity. There's a bunch of like mor- morons in these bars fighting, and like you know, that's like a peak of toxic masculinity. Patrick Swayze's like the model for what you want masculinity to be, but he's always on that verge. He's always on the he he's he's gone past that where you know he he wants to be the hero, but you know, so I feel like at the end, you know, it's him like you know realizing he doesn't have to like you know. Right, commit this murder, and ultimately, like, it's not his. Like, in the end, it's like maybe it's not his fight, really. And I think that's why the other guys killed, Brad, you know, Bradley, Brad Wesley. Um, but, no, uh, that's interesting because the doctor character, his doctor girlfriend, is definitely trying to tell him like not to get involved into in this conflict. Yeah, you know, like don't. Yeah, but at the same time, even when he's just reacting to something happening to him, like when they go into the bar and start fights. Or when the the farmer's house is blown up, she still doesn't want him to get involved. It's like there has to be some someone has to be standing up to this guy and his and his gang for like you know destroying the 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 auto dealership, destroying like all these establishments. Like someone has to stand up. But ultimately, that's why Brad Wesley needs to get murdered brutally because she understands him that he's relentless, that he's going, he will kill, he will kill Dalton, you know, and that she understands that because she's been with him, right? And but she also doesn't want Dalton to like stoop to his level. Right? right, right. That is the ultimate conflict. Do you like the ultimate conflict is that Dalton can become Brad Wesley. You know, he could he could rule this town if he wanted, because people worship him, right? That's why but I mean that's does, why does he ultimately make that choice? Well that's why Dalton like you know wants to leave at the end. I guess that's his he like fixes up a bar to a certain point and then leaves. That's like his normal cycle, I guess. Uh, but even though he doesn't kill Brad Wesley himself, he does kill all of his henchmen. I mean, I love how he kills, like, the main guy, the, you know, the guy who told him he used to fuck guys like him in prison. He, like, rips his oh, throat out. That, I thought that was so sick. That was such, like, a cool moment. I was like, oh, man, that was brutal. That's an applause break right there. Oh, yeah. And then when he kills... Not his first yeah. throat rip. <laughs> I think they alluded to that. They were like, oh, I heard he had done You like that. this, don't you? You wind up seeing it. 
And then, uh, yeah, as he's killing, like, the other henchmen, like, uh, you know, the one guy with the knife, like, tails again. And he, like, he stabs him. <laughs> yeah, he gets some good lines. He falls off the balcony. You can see, like, the padding when he gets stabbed. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, and then what was the – you said what was the fat henchman's name again? Tinker. Uh, Tinker. T- Tinker. <laughs> like, what the hell was that one scene, though, where, like, he thinks the stuffed bear is coming at him? It's just Swayze pushing it. But it's like... Yeah, he's an idiot. <laughs> but at one point, the movie almost wants to make you think it is, too, because you just see it coming at him as if it's come to life all of a sudden. That was, like... I don't know. That was, like, a weird moment. Because then he's somehow incapacitated by that, by having this bear. I mean, it's a giant polar bear. I mean, it's heavy. It's great line, too. They had that great, like, you guys are made for each other. Like, he is Batman. He <laughs> is Batman yeah. without the costume. I did appreciate, too, the, um, the payoff with the car. Right, because he like he's it always protects his 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 was it Mercedes, and yeah, the Mercedes. but at the end, you know when he when everything's on the line, he just puts the knife in the accelerator and has and just destroys it in order to break through the perimeter of Brad Wesley's, <laughs> which makes makes no sense. Now, how do you even do that? Like that's like how do you get yeah. like that's like the that's the amazing thing about this movie. It's like you don't give you don't give a shit. You just want like, you just like like to see it. Like some of the lines, like I love some of these lines from him that sound kind of smart but like aren't like like one one line is good is like, you know, you know one never wins a fight. I like that line. You know, when she asks him has she has he ever won a won a fight? That's a good line. But then, then it's like pain don't hurt. It's like all right, you macho prick. All right, I get yeah, it. Yeah, so like that. stuff like that. You realize he's kind of like a macho idiot on some level. Tries that cool. Um, I guess the way they elevate him above the other macho guys is by saying how he has a formal education. He went to NYU and studied philosophy, which yeah, somehow that was in his medical records. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that came up when the doctor was going through his file. Like that's on your somehow she read that in two seconds that he that he had that, this many broken bones this many sutures this many iron um this many stainless steel rods and oh he was also major in philosophy in uh, NYU yeah what does he say like um he, he says something along the lines of like oh you know like meaning of life that stupid shit <laughs> it's like it sounds like you yeah, didn't actually like attend any of your classes but okay of all things for this guy to have. Uh, studied for. it's like a line written by someone who wasn't a philosophy major just like presumed what like I, that means i appreciated <laughs> even the minimal amount of character development i want you to remember that it's a job it's nothing personal uh-huh and called a cocksucker and personal no it's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response I wonder if somebody calls my mama a whore. Is she? (laughs) I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. This is a well-deserving role for Patrick Swayze. I think he, like, I can only think of four movies. Like, he had his time period from, like, the late 80s to early 90s, and then he kind of did bits and pieces here and there. But it's like, it's like this ghost point break and dirty dancing that like those are the movies that define Patrick Swayze. And this is Dalton's a great character and he owned it. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he just has has such good presence. Right. And that's also what it is. The hair is incredible too. Cause if there was anyone else in this, in that role, like 
this yeah. movie would have sucked. Yeah. Honestly, let's be real. Like, without Patrick Swayze, this movie would have been sunk. And Right, because Swayze... He really does it a huge service. Swayze does play it straight in a way that is believable. Yeah. You can tell he's, like, seen a lot. And he's he's used to the abuse that he gets on a nightly basis, and um, and yeah, like he has this like very stoic way about him that like okay, like I understand that he's the guy who can take charge of a place like this. Like you know, he's going into this bar the first night and seeing the chaos. And he's kind of looking around. He's unfazed by it, but he's just you can tell he's like just taking note. And then that pays off later when he's like firing people. You know, like he's like observed, yeah. and then he knows. But he has a code. He's like, he's I like disgusted that. by the drug dealing. You know, he's disgusted by the guy yeah. stealing money. Yeah, like a great Western um, hero does. They live by a yeah. code. They live by this code of honor, yeah. and you know they they try to uphold uh, a level of justice. Uh, yeah, and there's really a good like juxtaposition of like you know, like um, his life currently, and then Wade Garrett, which is like wh- where his life is going really, right? Like that is. That that's what his future is. <laughs> yeah, is Wade Garrett working at a shitty strip club with a bad knee, mm-hmm. and like you know, that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. You don't like always think about it. After a few viewings, though, you kind of realize, oh yeah, that's like, this is a dead end thing. He's making mad money now, but like this is like there's no longevity in this. This is just like this is a dead end. Like he's gonna like burn out, and he's gonna be one day like this is like this could be the end of him like one day there will be a bar that defeats him and double deuce could be the bar that defeats him it almost him. is right because he's dealing with like a gangster right and the doc tells him that too like you, you know you shouldn't be doing this for very much longer you know it's it's a very physically tolling job yeah so there, there isn't really yeah. a future there what you're saying is this is the unforgiven of uh bo- cooler movies <laughs> like a the, one yeah. man's last <laughs> job <laughs> Actually, it'd be more like if 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 Sam Elliott was the main character, <laughs> <laughs> and he's 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 putting together a crew. I do like that he's like the Sam Elliott. The Wade Garrett is the mentor to this Dalton character. Yeah. You know where he gets all of his uh, tutelage from, and then of course you know, so cool. and so many westerns. And might I also say, like in some of these like martial arts movies, like the ultimate thing that sets the main character on a rage is when their master or their mentor is killed because that's like the ultimate insult like everything you stand for i just murdered <laughs> and that's sure. what the bad guys do uh when they like lure him out there um yeah. i think that was crazy too though because when you when he discovers wade garrett's body in the bar he's on the bar he's clearly dead but like dalton doesn't notice right away he's like come on man yeah. like wake up <laughs> it's like wake up because the hammy's invincible this mm. guy is like this guy's untouchable right yeah you know, he's not, he doesn't see an old man. He sees, like, you know, he sees God, right? No, that's true. So, like, they kill so, God for him. Because even in the beginning, when the, the owner of the Double Deuce approaches Dalton, he's like, you know, I want the best in the business. He still says, Wade. Dalton still yeah. says, well, Wade Garrett, he's he's the best. And it's like, mm, not anymore. You got to get that out yeah. of your head. There's also a lot. So, yeah, you're right. There yeah. are, it's amazing that there's yeah. kung fu. Like, in addition to Western elements, there's, I'm just, I may be too late to realize it, but there's kung fu elements, too. I mean, of course, him, yeah. him doing chai chi in the yeah. uh, in the mornings and stuff. Yeah. But there's a lot of tropes. I don't know. It's tapping into something that we love about these kind of movies, like Enter the Dragon or old school westerns. Like, I don't know. I I'm starting now to even more understand the successful cult that this is because it was a success. Yeah, it's like it's like the it's like the like you said the western movie like that classic drifter. You know the samurai movie, like yo, yeah. Jimbo, or or even like Zatoichi, 
like how cool would, would Roadhouse be as like a little like a, a series of movies like Columbo where just like Patrick Swayze going from town to town and like fixing up bars and getting into like adventures. If they only knew right? if they only knew the franchise um, that they had on that. It just it, I think there is supposed to be like Roadhouse too, but oh, really? I did not look anything up about it. Well, yeah, it just because the the whole cleaning up the bar is just the excuse for everything else, right? Because I mean, how many how many yeah. towns, how many? Because it it doesn't sound like it's high stakes. He's cleaning up a bar. It's it's what comes of that that he accidentally pisses off the wrong people <laughs> by firing the one crooked bartender, and you know, basically like he what he's doing is an affront to the bank Azara's. Uh, you know the Brad Wesley character's power, which is what starts this whole yeah. thing. But again, all he really wants to do is clean up this bar and go. <laughs> and Brad Wesley yeah. is being such an asshole about it because uh, again, it's an affront to his power. He doesn't want to be seen weak. He doesn't want to empower the other yeah, business owners. Yeah, but then, then at the same time, though, like you know, Dalton like doesn't want to compromise, right? Dalton like has his principles, but he also he's not interested in like compromising with corrupt people like if you think about it, there could be a version of this story where Dolan's like all right you want your fucking job back well like, don't threaten me with your shitty knife let's talk to your uncle and then we'll figure this out if you steal money from us like i'm not gonna hire you but if we can agree with your uncle that you steal money from us you're gonna have trouble with your uncle right you that know, would be reasonable because I, mean, I mean there's a he can make a deal with ben gazera be like yo your kids you're like your your you know, nephew's stealing shit I, don't, I can't accept that can you deal with that? And I think Ben Kazara could be like, yeah, sure, why not? Right. I like I can like accept that. But maybe Ben Kazara is like, my nephew can do whatever he wants because again, but he could be that too. Like so, like, that's a story, right? So he, you know, maybe maybe Don understands it's about Ben Kazara to begin with. Also, let's talk about. I want to talk about Ben Kazara for a second because one of the greatest kind of like characterizations of a villain I've ever seen in a movie is him just swerving all over the road yeah. in his car singing that song just like the perfect depiction of a man who gives no fucks just like owns the planet right <laughs> he is he's the master of his universe it's his town incredible it's his town and he could drive all over the road if he wants to because yeah. that's that's how he's established himself in this town he's preyed on it and he is like he expects cars to get out of his way I didn't realize. Yeah. I see. I was of the belief that this movie was a typical like going to a bar and cleaning it up. Like I had no idea it goes into explosions and kung fu fights, and so I thought uh, Brad Wesley was just a petty. He was the, uh, the he and he is petty. He like he you know with the helicopter just to scare the yeah. the cattle. Like I just thought he was like that eighties petty rich guy and he transforms into an absolute 80s monster uh I, he had sadist, yeah. this whole everyone had fun in this movie and maybe he it didn't is. look like the safest set at times according to patrick swayze but it looks like everyone had fun and it shows yeah i mean even like when we're starting to meet these this cast of characters at the bar like you know the waitress the 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 leader of the band uh, you know, some of these other guys, I'm like, oh, okay, I can see the initial charm here. I, maybe I, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to look forward to spending some time with this, you know, this, um, these guys. I mean, even, even some of the other bouncers that work for him, I found to like be charming in their own little ways, even though they had limited screen time. So like the really big guy who like bans the door for some reason, I'm like, okay, this guy's like on the Dalton program here. 
You know, like his. Uh, I, I like that. At least Dalton was getting some people like behind him. He wasn't just totally getting like 100 percent resistance there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's interesting to see that for sure. Like you know, people kind of admire him, and then the people kind of being like, "Oh, Gray's gonna screw our deal up, right?" Like you can see the beginning, like some like the bartender's kind of like, "Ah, crap, that's Dalton. Like he's gonna he's gonna cash me stealing money." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Or it. the one guy who then, has yeah. sex in the in the closet. You know, the one woman. He's yeah, like, damn yeah. it, <laughs> but it's my break. Stay on it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That guy was pretty nuts. I just also uh, I couldn't help but notice that. At least in the beginning, uh, with when the bar's really shitty still, so many, like, gross-looking men in this bar. Oh, yeah. And maybe just because they're oh. attracting, like, I don't know, like, bikers and degenerates and all sorts of low lives. Because then I guess once it gets cleaned up, you see more, like, younger, well-to-do people going to the bar once it's nicer. But I'm, I was thinking to myself, like, ugh, like, were these just how men in the 80s were? They were all just, like, nasty, <laughs> scruffy, gross guys who were, like, always fighting and... Oh man, this this like really like unappealing. Like, how did anyone like you know get around back then? It's how certain men are. You know, I don't think it's just the eighties. I mean, I feel like you can go to like a really horrible bar like in America somewhere now. There is a place like the Double Deuce somewhere right now. I wholeheartedly believe that. Like, there's places like I'm sure if you walked in, you'd be scared for your life. Mm. Like, you walk in, you're like, no, never mind. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> not my kind of it's place. One of those things. But what, yeah, what, like double deuce would be like the place. Those places exist, what? and those kind of people exist. That's true. That's true. Because I get like I said at first, I thought that like oh, like this was just the times. But then, yeah, you get like much more cleaned up people coming to this place later on. Once it's actually when they clean it up, I'm like, oh, this actually looks like a pretty fun bar. I'd go to this bar. I'm surprised a bar like but that what had does return service. <laughs> Like returning customers, like you, what do you, you know, mean? all like all, all oh, those yeah. all those fights every night. It's like okay, see you t- see you next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people were still coming back, but a certain type of people. Uh, but what what even is that name though? The double deuce. Like for some reason, it just made me think of like taking a crap. The double deuce. Like what is that even really supposed to mean? Yeah, sounds like a poker hand. Maybe four aces. Oh, okay, a couple of deuces. It flows, which again still yeah, makes flows. I feel like yeah. Still makes me think of going to the bathroom, but <laughs> the alliteration. <laughs> okay, double deuce. Dropping a deuce. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Fair enough. You're a smart boy, aren't you, Dalton? You're just not too realistic. Christ, I'm just like you. I came up the hard way, on the streets of Chicago. You know, when I came to this town after Korea, there was nothing. I brought the ball here. I got the Seven Eleven. I got the Potomat here. Christ, J.C. Penny is coming here because of me. You ask anybody, they'll tell you. You've gotten rich off of the people in this town. <laughs> you bet your ass I have. What do you guys think of of like the love interest? What do you think of the love story? It, it, hmm. it worked mean, on a B movie level. Like I, I was like, I, I discovered this fun fact that Annette Benning was hired. And then fired because she did not have apparently not have any chemistry with Patrick Swayze. Yeah, I don't really remember what I don't remember what Annette Bening looked like in the '80s, but I just picture like a much more um, like mousy type of person. I feel like this doctor person has to exude a little more sexuality. Again, like nothing against Annette Bening. I don't know what like I, I can't think of a movie she was in the '80s for reference, but uh, this doctor character. 
when they first set her up in the hospital, they're trying to make her seem more of like the bookish type, but that wasn't really working because she still has like the big blonde hair and like the classic like eighties female sex appeal going on. So I'm like, okay, let's get to the part where like she starts to look more sexy, and then you know they build up to the romance. And sure enough, they did. She has that like, you know, because that's the thing with the eighties. Like even Ben Kazar's wife huge poofy like like bleach blonde 80s hair was like the thing back then yeah i mean like i think i think i'm annette banning like i mean she's not unsexy i mean she's like she's like an attractive woman right i'm sure especially back then she was like you know she looked good but she does have kind of a seriousness about her right she like carries herself a certain way yeah you know in my mind um not that kelly lynch you know is let like carries herself like less just differently right she has like a different vibe right so like i could definitely you know see kelly lynch you know seeing patrick swayze and like you know obviously she's like she's like she sees patrick swayze she yeah wants, like, right away she wants to scream. right away like, too. he's hot like it is what it is right well, like whereas i could see annette banning being more like like whatever <laughs> like he's just all, like a good-looking guy i can live without that whereas like kelly lynch is like she's like you know you could tell she's just kind of like this like hot girl at this like in this town like Annette Benning's married right Kelly Lynch is single and she's in this town with a bunch of <laughs> losers that want to have sex with her but like there's no one she wants to have sex with and then here comes Patrick Swayze and he's got a knife wound <laughs> and she's like oh okay 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 yeah he's easily the most attractive man to be in this town yeah. the second he walks in but then even when like she shows up to the bar the first time she's there and she sees him kicking out all those troublemakers and exuding his masculinity, and like, and she has this mix of being appalled, but also being yeah, a little yeah. turned she's on. Yeah, like yeah, like a little, like, oh, little bit goodness. of both. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, I was gonna mention this before. Bring up all. There's so many different kinds of knives. That one guy yes, you kick out yes. in that scene had yeah. the boot knife. He even calls out like, "Watch out! He's got a boot knife." It's like Jesus. Like, yeah, shit like that where he notices. He like eagle eye. He sees it. Like glints, glints in the in the lamplight, <laughs> which he must have experienced before. Like so he must have had to deal with a guy coming in with a boot knife, which is like such like a cheap thing in a fight, oh, for sure. <laughs> like kick stab a guy. But also like uh, this that's... idea of him just kind of like seeing a group of men walk in and realizing their trouble. Like, oh, these guys are not here to like party. These guys are here to like fuck shit up. <laughs> Well, they even say, like, you know, like, you know, people are having a good time. And then the leader of the showbankers is like, yeah, that's why we're here. And they start yeah. fighting. But You're then when stupid Swayze, to have a good time. When he kicks them out, they're like, oh, you son of a bitch. Like, yeah. you're an asshole. Like, they're assholes. You're the guys walking yeah. in with, like, knife boots looking to start <laughs> trouble. You're the assholes. Sebastian, to go to go back to that love interest point, I, I think she did the part well. And yeah. I think the part was added uh, – so that our character Dalton could have a happy ending, I couldn't help but get like Scrubs vibe, like g- guy love. Like he definitely loves Wade on a whole like brotherly level, the way like JD and Turk love each other. And it's like, oh yeah, we gotta add a love interest <laughs> into this mix. I see a more daddy issue sort of love there. Um, okay, I saw brother. I saw, I saw brother. Older I see, brother. I see older brother, younger brother. Because I, I don't think the age difference is that much. Like it's not like he. Like Sam Elliott at the time is probably what in his like mid forties, you know. I would say like, so. Yeah, yeah. So like older brother, younger brother, you know. Uh, I suppose. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe I mean with Kelly Lynch, she looks. They look good together. I would yeah. say like they actually. They do. 
they physically look like they they would be compatible. And she has so, enough pathos uh, like, where like she you know you could tell she has a past and you know like there's like you know she's vulnerable and it's you know it's it's like thin but it's you know it's not too thin it's like it's serviceable everything here is all like you said serviceable right like it's yeah. it's kind of surface level but there's it's not terribly shallow it's like you know it's like it's not like right. a you know it's like a puddle but it's a puddle that'll soak your whole shoe <laughs> it's uh you know it, it'll leave your foot wet the rest yeah, of the day yeah because um, like also kelly lynch has this she definitely stands out within this world because yeah like everything in this world is so gritty and grimy a lot of mm. the times and then she is this kind of like more angelic sort of character so um yeah she just i think that was like also intentional she kind of like stands she kind of hovers above the rest of this world right and swayze maybe aspires to be at that level um, but you know, he's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, really. I mean, he's like, because he doesn't, he experiences all this kind of like griminess everywhere. So he's like, she's kind of the light in his in his dark room in a way. Yeah, um, and yeah, with the fighting, it's interesting because it's like an action movie, but it's not like high. It's not like like these big uh, set pieces like in a Die Hard where there's tons of like machine guns being blasted. It's all like more like, gritty hand-to-hand combat sort of action of guys just, like, throwing fists at each other. There really isn't really any gunfire until, you know, the Brad Wesley character is shotgunned to death yeah. at the end multiple times. But for the most besides that, like, again, it's a lot of knives. But it's mostly just people, like, just, like, you know, mano uh, mano hand-to-hand combat, which I thought was, like, really interesting. It's just, again, like, that's a real show. And then at one point, the... Um, the main villain, right before he gets his throat ripped out, the main henchman, he tries to, like, he pulls out this tiny little gun. He's like, I'm going to kill you the old-fashioned yeah, way. Yeah. But he holds the gun for, like, way too long, <laughs> like an inch from Swayze. It makes it so easy for Swayze to disarm him. That's, like, a classic, like, old sort of thing. Yeah, guys with, with like, guns think they have all the time in the world to shoot somebody. It's like, nah, dude, like, just do it. <laughs> like, like, right by, at hand level. Like, okay, I'm going to shoot you now. Any second now. Oh, and then he gets disarmed. <laughs> but also, like, disarming someone with a gun is, like, not that easy. <laughs> it's, like... It's all like the, the amount of time it would take for Patrick Swayze to try to disarm him. You could just literally pull the trigger and he just blow his brains out. But this guy gives him that much time. <laughs> this is the thing. They knew what they were making. They knew what they were making. Yeah. I, re- I don't doubt for a second. Like, I, I think they kind of went into this going, let's have fun. This is a fun yeah. movie. Like, it, I, I'm, I get why the critics are hard on it, but I feel like I've seen enough movies like this that they've given passes to like i'm not saying it's not flaw like it has flaws but i we've never really seen a movie like this before at least like i'm trying to think it's no, hard I for agree. you to know yeah i mean it's john it, it goes like you know i i it uh google says it's an action thriller i'm like okay there's so much more to that <laughs> yeah there's a lot of levels going on there and again that's why at first i would i feel like it'd be a little hard to market this at first because oh yeah probably it's like an it's doing an action in a way that wasn't as popular because so many other 80s action movies like your rambos your schwarzenegger movies were those more like high octane action set pieces you didn't really get as much of like you know the lower level one-on-one combat um sort of action uh so in that way i feel like it kind of stands out it's hard for me to like to judge like 
critics back then for being critical of this movie, like maybe overly critical, but like, you know, it's like I wasn't there when it came out, right? Yeah. So like I don't know what the slate of movies I didn't I didn't look up like what came out at the same time, right? But like I imagine like eighties, you know, there was a time when a lot of movies were coming out and there's a lot of shit coming out, right? So yes. like, you know, you're watching a lot of crap and there's like a like, you know, but there's also some good movies, like so as a critic you're trying to wade through everything and you know when you when you compare to some other movies you're watching you know roadhouse comes up and you know as a critic you're going to be more yeah like like all critics they're more critical they're going to examine it more closely there's few critics that really view movies as a as a as a spectator right like it's like maybe they should more often like i feel like the critic's job is to to be critical in some ways very few kind of just look at it and give a movie the benefit of the doubt or like just view, view it as like you know you know mindless fun unless like you know sometimes with children's movies i'll do that but you well, know you know roger ebert um is that kind of critic that definitely looks more at the context of a film mm-hmm. and what it's aiming and what its value is because you know you can't really compare all different movies on the same by the same standards you know, what you what did he to... say about it? Do you know? So he has a he has a really good quote. I like this. He kind of sums it he up. Said, right. He says, "This is not a good movie, but viewed in the right frame of mind, it is not a boring one either." Mm. And that's big. I rather have a movie that is really like fun and dumb than maybe like a very um, you know, like an Oscar bait movie that's really boring and predictable. Mm. You know, at least as as much as yeah, like. Uh, on paper, you can point out like all the ways that this movie is objectively bad. It still does have a lot of good entertainment value, yes. and like also there's some merit too. Like it's not like a mean spirited movie. I no. mean there is like a sense of like the good guy being the bad guy. But at the end of the day, as insane as it is, at least it never pulls back. It stays at this level of like crazy dialogue and like ludicrous plot. It gets if anything, it keeps upping the ante as it goes along. And so it's still interesting to watch throughout. And then also, um, it uh, yeah, it, it doesn't try to. It does, it has such a sense of self. You know, this movie really knows what it is and what it's trying to do from start to finish. And so I, you know, there, there's value in that. Yeah, Sebastian, sure. I understand where the critics are coming from in this. I and I did appreciate the ones like Ebert, uh, and this one kind of summed it up too. It isn't just so bad; it's good in its own bad way it really is good like that i even bolded that so i could like i understand where critics are coming from and i just think uh in hindsight in you know 30 odd years later it would this would probably get like a this would probably get the audience score from the critics i think i i think critics would understand what they're watching today i just i I don't want to say roadhouse is the first of its kind but it's it it's doing something movies before it has have not done before in terms of like what kind of movie it's trying to be what kind of genre is it like what kind of twists and turns while also being entertaining uh i don't want to give the movie too much credit i really think that these this is like they had a summer and they made a uh they made a root and tootin fun movie but i i think the audience this movie definitely, I think, was successful through word of mouth because word of mouth is still affecting it to like to its day. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like references alike. You know, um, you were mentioning Family Guy before. I, that's like one of those movies I've always heard of this movie, and you know, I, for me, it didn't seem like from what I had preconceived ideas about, I would want to watch it or think I would like it. But I was like pleasantly surprised. Like, you know, it, it's it's a certain type of ridiculousness that you know don't be wrong i don't want a ton of roadhouse movies out there but once in a while to get a movie that has a similar enjoyable factor as a roadhouse like once in a while is a fun thing to go back to for sure and it really i mean like yeah like you said it really penetrated the zeitgeist and in some ways it's it's kind of a lightning in a bottle um yes. it's really it's difficult to to like replicate that kind of like success in terms of like you know oh yeah audience love you know what i mean they couldn't and, remake you this. know yeah no. and like the whole and that's like my problem with kind of talking about it as a so bad it's good sort of movie is like this is in the room like this isn't like you know this isn't this isn't troll 2 like yes. this is this is not like this is not bad it's like not great it's not like top notch but it's like just like it's competent in every way and it's like it's bolstered by performances that are excellent that are almost too good for this movie i agree you yeah. know what i mean like it's almost like this movie doesn't deserve the performances that patrick swayze and ben gazeric gave, right <laughs> yeah and yeah. and that's why it's so good and even some of the even some of the supporting roles, like the bar owner, like he's not a great actor, but like I love kind of like how he becomes villainous. Like he almost like he's like, running a fine line. He he like he, beca- he like throughout the movie you see his confidence go up, and at the end he almost like he almost takes a little too much glee in murdering Brad Wesley. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you you're the ne- you're next. You're gonna be the next bad guy. We all have our darkness <laughs> yeah, some... in us. <laughs> and that's like and that's like that's what. That's what you didn't want Dalton to become, right? So, yeah. like, Dalton could have been that. He could have taken too much glee in killing Brad Wesley, but he chose a different path, right? And so that's kind of... I think that's the importance of that ending in some ways. It's well, you know, clumsy. It's not It's not perfect, but it works. No, no, no. It works. <laughs> it leaves a lot of things, uh, you know, up in the air at the end. But I, I agree with... In terms of, like, it not being a so bad it's good, it's, like, good in... I would I would say that all the reasons why it's entertaining are intentional, yeah. and th- unlike like you said like the room or whatnot, all those reasons those movies are fun are for unintentional reasons. So, you know, it's in like this very unique realm where yes, again, it's you can point out it's objectively like, you know, you could definitely make a more ambitious movie than Roadhouse, but um, yeah, if they were aiming for a certain level of absurd entertainment. Uh, with just the right amount of self-awareness, they I think they achieved that. I feel like there's enough people who do know what they're doing, and so many people who are just like, un, you know, who are just part of this madness without even realizing how that it does. It is a good blend of that. All right, who's gonna tell me what the hell happened here? I didn't see nothing. You see anything, Pete? No, I didn't see anything. You say anything with it? I didn't say nothing. Not a thing. You see anything, Tigger? A polar bear fell on me. Uh, so, I think we can um, now get into our our percentage scores and final takes. So, Sebastian, what what would your grade be? Your percentage be for Roadhouse? 
I think grading on the curve that it's super entertaining and just like fun to watch, I think I would give it like a solid 85. Nice, nice. Um, that's you know, that's pretty high, but uh, I see where you're coming from. What about you, Keith? Well, I'm happy you touched upon the... I thought it'd be... I, I was led to believe that this movie would be so bad it's good. And when I usually... When we've done that on the podcast, I split it into the critic side and how I feel it is on the entertaining side. No, this is where I would put like Rocky Four or Hocus Pocus. Like what it's trying to do, it you know, it's it's flawed, but it's entertaining in its sense. Uh, yeah, I think the audience kind of hit the nail on the head. But I I was in awe of this movie, and I I do think it's a perfect like if you don't have anything to watch that night with a date watch this uh i'm gonna give it a 70 you know what i uh you took the score right from me before i was able to give it i'm also giving this a 70 maybe i'll give it a 71 just to be a little different uh like price is right rules they'll go one over but um yeah i think uh for me it's a good like afternoon movie it's a good matinee i think when you have maybe a you know a day in and you just want to put on something uh that's like a little fun uh, you know, for your afternoon, I think this is a good movie for that. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's, it's been on TV a lot, and every time, most of the time, it's on TV. I I just keep watching it. You know, it's on that level of you know, like Shawshank, you know, like even Goodfellas. If it's on TV, I'm watching it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't blame people who I maybe I used to judge Roadhouse, or maybe I just it never really came across my radar. Yeah, preconceived it's, notions. Like yeah. I had yeah, preconceived exactly. notions about Dirty Dancing a while back, and then when I finally watched it, I'm like, oh, that movie's, like, great. Yeah, we'll get into into that one next. But, um, yeah, like, it has, it has a bad rap, basically. I think people have the wrong idea about Roadhouse, and you give it a chance, and you actually can see it's it's a lot of fun uh, in a lot of good ways. Uh, so what is our uh, average, Keith? 75. 75%. Sounds about right to me. So I will officially decree that on Roadhouse, we are siding with the audience. A couple of last things I will say about Roadhouse. Uh, it does have that late 80s, early 90s, like, southern jazz score that I really enjoy, like, in movies like Blues. My Cousin Vinny or Midnight Run or something like that. You know, it's, like, that. I, I think that's, like, a really funny touchstone or fun touchstone of that era. Uh, I also think it's funny that Keith David is, like, fourth or fifth build in the yeah. opening credits. Oh, yeah. But he is on screen for, like, I don't know, like, three minutes, and it has, like, two lines. I missed yeah. him. Like, I blinked and I missed him. I had to rewind it. He was an established actor by yeah. this point, but somehow he gets this, like, very small role as, like, the new bartender. I think he only... was cut. Yeah, they must have cut some oh, stuff out. I, th- sure. I think some yeah. stuff had to be cut. That's a good point. Yeah, there might have been more there for him. <laughs> like, you think they cut out a fight scene with him? That would be a bummer if there was, like, a cool fight scene, like, that he had. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe. But I just thought it was, like, a funny thing. Like, Keith David, <laughs> it's, like, number five or six in the credits there. Um, all right, thanks, Sebastian, for, uh, for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks, man. Spreading our love of Roadhouse. My pleasure, man. It was great talking about it. Yeah, this was definitely a fun one to discuss. Um, so thanks, everyone, for listening. And look out very soon. Uh, for our part two on this Swayze doubleheader week. Uh, So uh, that'll be coming soon. But until then, thanks a lot, guys, and uh, catch you soon. Bye.